What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. You get links to these shows there Monday through Friday, my articles on Sunday, all the Twitter threads I pull together. My whole fantasy uh, persona is over on Twitter. Everything that I put out there, all of my content is over on the Twitter machine, so go ahead and check it out. Before we get the show kicked off today, I'd really appreciate you guys both subscribing and leaving a positive review on the podcast. Both things would really make me happy, really help us out here in our early stages. We are, this is 85, this is episode 85 today. In a couple weeks, we're going to be hitting the 100 mark, so I'm trying to figure out some kind of special thing we can do for that 100th uh, 100th episode of the show. Probably bring on a couple of guests. Now, it'll be a couple days after the, the trade deadline show. So that will be a lot of guests that day, but we'll try and do something special for that 100th show. It'll be the, the first week of August, that, that, that first uh, Friday. So that will be some kind of special show. So just keep, um, keep it on the calendar anyway. Today, we're going to look back pretty standard. We're going to look back on yesterday's top performers. I'll point out a couple of pitching matchups that I'm keeping my eye on tonight. There's two in particular. We will go through the waiver wire, uh, most added and dropped players today. And we will also uh, talk about a couple of streamers for the weekend, a couple of pitching streams. Now, there's two today, one Saturday, and one on Sunday that I'm particularly interested in. So I will run through that closer to the end of the episode. Now, let's get started with uh, yesterday's top performers. I think, without a doubt, the best performance yesterday we saw, points league, category league, pitcher, position player, whoever, it was Tristan McKenzie. He went eight innings, struck out 12, and only gave up five hits. It was shutout ball against the Tigers. Three straight outings now without an earned run for McKenzie. That is really strong stuff. One of them against the Yankees, which is very impressive. And then the last two, not quite as impressive, Kansas City and Detroit, but still. Three straight starts, 21 consecutive innings, no runs. No walks last time out, or last night, I should say, after his previous timeout walking five Royals. That was really not great for the whip. Still, though, uh, he's had a great couple of weeks Overall, for the season, he'll head into the All-Star break with a 3.20 ERA, a .98 whip. He's walking, ju- or excuse me, he's striking out just shy of one batter per inning, 96 strikeouts in 101 innings. You like what you're seeing. You like what you're seeing from Tristan McKenzie. I was pretty big heading into the year. Uh, there was a point where I was looking at the numbers, and I thought this might be a bit of a sell-high moment, and then he did kind of struggle for a little bit there. Uh, in June, he had a couple of bad outings, seven earned runs, six earned runs, five earned runs. It was a bit of a tough month for him. But he's really turned it around here these last three times out. So for me, I think that he's going to be able to maintain something similar to this in the second half. Mid threes, ERA, a good whip. And hopefully we'll get those strikeouts back up over one per inning. Right now, his case per nine is 8.53. Very good, but I'd still like to see it a little bit higher going forward. Now, a big surprise from yesterday, relatively big surprise, was Braxton Garrett, who It was a league where I was going to add him in one of my ESPN points leagues the day before, and I thought, I already had a bunch of starters going yesterday in that league, so I figured, you know what, I've got like four pitchers here, I'm all right. I wish I'd picked up Garrett because he would have scored higher than any of my other pitchers did yesterday. It's a shame. Uh, 11 strikeouts for him. That was by far his season high. Seven was the previous. Uh, He went six innings, gave up two hits, no earned runs. He hit two batters and walked two batters, which is the only real complaint you can find here. And I guess if you want to complain a little bit further, although it's not his fault, he didn't get the victory. It was a no decision. Uh, They did end up winning the game, I believe. Yeah, they won 3-2, to but he was not uh, part of the decision. 
Season high for pitches as well, 102. Now, I'm not doing anything today for this. We're heading into the break. There's no need to add somebody right now who's not going to start again before the break. I would keep an eye on him in the second half if there's ever a low-volume day where there's not a lot of streamers. I'd Depending on matchup, I'd give I'd give Braxton Garrett a decent look. Not that he's going to be... Uh, he's, there's no moves to be made, like I said. He's not someone that you need to be jumping on. But just something to keep in the back of our minds for the second half of the season. It's a, he's got decent numbers regardless of this outing. 3.7 ERA, 1.23 whip. He's, he's all right. Considering he pitches for a fairly poor team, he's doing very well for himself. It seems all the pitchers out in Miami do fairly well. And there's another pitcher who will be coming up for Miami that we'll touch on later. Uh, but for now, let's keep it rolling with Corbin Burns. No surprise here. He was dominant against San Francisco. Seven and a third, struck out 10, gave up one earned run. The only gripe really was that he walked three batters, and there's been a couple of walks recently for him. Uh, he has definitely not been his stellar self with location uh, over these last few starts. It was three yesterday, one before, which is fine, and then there was four, two, two, uh, zero, four, two. Uh, this is a guy who didn't walk a batter for like 50 innings last year, and he's still got very good walk numbers. I think he's walking about 6% of batters roughly, 6 or 7%, as opposed to five last year. Still very good, still elite numbers, and his ERA for the year is 2.14. So I'm, I'm looking for reasons to complain when there aren't really any. Uh, he's a very likely repeat Cy Young winner if all, if all stays here. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, a lot of people will think, is probably the favorite right now. I just think that the workload, it's going to wear him down a little bit, and I, I have a little bit more faith in Corbin Burns. So for me, he's my Cy Young pick right now. I know I've bounced around a little bit there, but Burns, every time out, seems to really be dominant with the strikeout numbers. The walks, like I said, a small problem, but it's still at like 6.5% for the year, so there's no real concern for me there. Uh, he's not going too crazy in deep into games, usually six, seven innings where we see Alcantara go usually like eight innings, sometimes nine. It's between seven and nine for Alcantara. Pretty much the, the border, the, the seal, or Jesus, the floor is seven innings for him. And then we usually see a lot more. Now we've seen Burns throw a lot of pitches recently, 115, uh, 100, 100, 105, 108, 113. He's getting a little bit up there, but uh, I still have a lot more faith that he can maintain this in the second half over Sandy Alcantara. So I'd lean him as my, uh, as my favorite in the NL there. Uh, let's talk about a couple more pitchers here. Luis Castillo, you know, I think he's going to get traded, and I was a little bit worried yesterday that if he goes into Yankee Stadium, he gets just shit on and gives up six or seven runs. That will dampen the trade market. And, you know, I'm doing a trade deadline show. I want to see a bunch of trades, and we've already seen Tyler Molly, his teammate, get hurt. Frankie Montes, we're not sure about the market on him. Andrew Benintendi with the Novak stuff, and, you know, a lot of teams aren't going to be trading for him because of that. So we've seen the market kind of, you know, take a turn recently in the last week or so with guys who I was sure are going to get traded. Now I'm not so sure anymore. But Luis Castillo just pretty much solidified last night that he's going to be traded. Seven innings, eight Ks, one earned run. And he did walk four. We did have some control issues last night from a lot of different starters, even guys who had very good games. I mean, Tristan McKenzie didn't walk anybody. Everybody else seemed to walk at least a few batters. But that's pretty much the only grievance here with Luis Castillo. He's an all-star, and he deserves it. Uh, last year, I was really big on him. I thought he was a Cy Young contender last year, and I was sorely mistaken, especially in the first half. But this year, he's got the ERA at 2.77 heading into the break. Unfortunately, only three wins, but that's, you know, you can attribute that to the shitty team that he plays for. Everything has been very good. Uh, strikeouts per nine is just about nine and a half. Great stuff. I'm hoping it's not the Yankees, but after last night, uh, there's a decent chance I think the Yankees try and trade for him. I know that they're 
dealing with some stuff with Severino. I'm not sure how serious that is. Montgomery has been very good, but how long can that really sustain? Uh, Jameson Tyone hasn't been quite as good. Nestor can't be great forever. So I think that they're going to bring in some kind of reinforcements there in the Bronx. And Luis Castillo doing it yesterday right in front of them might uh, make them go out there and pull the trigger on that one sooner than we expect. It might not even take till the trade deadline day. But for our sake, for the show's entertainment's sake, uh, I hope that these teams wait until the deadline when we are live to get these uh, negotiations moving. A few more pitchers we will talk about, and then we'll move on to the position players. So Carlos Carrasco had himself a very nice start. Six innings, five hits. Again, a couple of walks, but uh, struck out six no earned runs. He got the victory here. Uh, great start for him. He's someone who has bounced around a little bit. He was elite at the beginning of the year, and then we had a couple of really rough starts, which buggered up his ERA. We had an eight earned run game in there, six and five, and there's a couple of games like that that really make it so that it appears that he's been kind of just mediocre when he's actually been pretty good, especially from a fantasy point of view. He's got 10 victories, 100 strikeouts in 99 innings. Uh, you know, the ERA and the whip are a little bit inflated because of those bad starts, but he's still someone who needs to be on rosters. I think he's down into like 68-ish percent rostered on Yahoo. There are still leagues where he's available. He's definitely someone on your team, on your pitching staff, who is worse than Carrasco. So, uh, depending on who it is, I would make that swap out. But if you're talking like 12-team leagues, there's got to be at least one worse pitcher on your roster than Carrasco. I know in several leagues of mine, I have a, many players, many pitchers who I would happily switch out for Carlos Carrasco. So take a look at your wire and see if he's available there. He should have a strong second half. Especially with the ground coming back and the workload possibly being lightened, I, I think that the Mets will go to a six-man rotation at least to begin with. So won't be so much of a workload on Carrasco. He's not such a young guy anymore. I think that'll benefit all of the guys in that rotation. A lot of older guys in that rotation. So I, I think that going six would make a lot of sense for them. We'll see what actually happens. But Carrasco's a strong pickup. Uh, Tyler Anderson is the next guy we will talk about. Again, two walks. It seemed everybody walked two batters yesterday, even if they had a strong outing. And Anderson is no exception there. Uh, six innings, three hits, no earned runs. He only struck out four, but you'll take it still. He got the victory. Uh, it was 25 and a half fantasy points over on Yahoo, and he also got his 10th victory. He heads into the break. I don't think anybody was expecting this, even Dodger fans. 2.96 ERA, 1.02 whip. Strikeouts are not terribly high, 7.5 per nine innings, but still. Tyler Anderson has been everything you could have hoped for for someone that you probably just picked up off the waiver wire. Really, really great stuff for him. We don't need to spend too much time there. He should be rostered. If he's not, then go ahead and add him. Uh, Martin Perez, so he actually had his season high in strikeouts last night. It was nine. His previous season high, it was seven. The only thing that really, really bothered me yesterday with him was that he walked four, tying his season high, and we've seen some some walks recently. Three, two, two, one, and four over his last five starts. Not ideal for sure, especially when you're trying to sell high on him. That whip has gone up to 1.19. Over the last month, it's 1.36. So that will put a bit of a damper on his trade value. But still, you can use that nine strikeouts as a selling point. We've talked about this many times on the show. I've talked about it on Twitter. I've written about it in articles. Uh, Martin Perez is someone who is not going to have a strong second half. I think I haven't talked about this yesterday. It's not. It might be fine. It might be serviceable. He'll be rosterable, I think. But it's not going to be a 2-6 ERA. It's just not. Uh, he's not that guy. He's never been that guy. I don't think he's ever even had a sub-4 ERA, let alone like a 2.5. So... You need to be capitalizing on what he's given you to this point. Try to sell him over the break. 
it'll be a nice chance to try and sell it. You can use those nine strikeouts and the fact that people will be a little bit maybe not disinterested from fantasy, but not fa- uh, po- focusing so much on it during the All-Star break. you got a few days there where people might have their guard down. You can throw in a little bit of a low ball offer perhaps and capitalize. So Martin Perez is one of those guys I would be trying to uh, trying to get rid of. I mean, get rid of might be a little bit strong, but I'd be trying to sell on him. Johnny Cueto is the next guy we'll talk about. He went six innings, gave up seven hits, struck out five, one earned run, and theme of the day, he walked two. He threw 118 pitches. I didn't think Johnny Cueto had that in him anymore, 118 pitches. He'd gotten over 100 twice this year, 101 and 104. But this has been really surprisingly great stuff out of Johnny Cueto. Just another waiver wire pickup this year. But a 2.80 ERA, 1.18 whip, four victories in his 74 innings. You got to love it. You got to love what you got out of Cueto. Now, he's been more of a streamer. A couple of leagues where I have streamed him in, I have dropped him. But there's also one or two where I've held on in deeper formats because pitching can be kind of hard to come by in deeper leagues. If you're in like a 12, I don't think that you really need to roster him necessarily. This has been a great stretch, but I don't think we're going to see so much success going forward. Definitely worth noting, though, that he has been valuable this year. Kyle Wright, he went seven innings, got the victory yesterday, gave up seven hits, two earned runs, only struck out four. It was unfortunate. I took an over bet on his strikeouts, which was four and a half. He had zero through the first like four and two thirds, I think. I was really hoping that one would hit. He threw 103 pitches, which was the most that he had thrown going back more than a month. I still like Kyle Wright. I don't like him as much as I did at the beginning of the season when he was looking ridiculous. Those strikeout numbers were off the charts. Now, he's, his control is a little bit better than it was at the beginning of the year. He's not walking five guys anymore. He gave a couple of games with four, three, a lot of walks early on. Now, still not great, but definitely something that he has improved on. I'm not a huge fan of him. I think if you're going to sell, it's a decent time. He's coming off a decent outing here. He's got 11 victories. I think he has some good trade value, and he's another guy that I'm not so certain on in the second half. We've seen some regression already throughout the year. Uh, Over the last month, ERA 3.72. Whip is at 1.4. So he has not been as sharp as we once saw this year. Uh, He's another guy. If you can sell high, I'd I'd be in favor of doing it. Last pitcher we will talk about, and then we will move on to some position players, Nestor Cortez. Still sharp, still very good. Maybe not quite as sharp, and the Ks were not really there, but he went seven innings, uh, gave up four hits, one earned run. He walked one, he hit one batter, and he struck out four. 89 pitches over seven innings. Very, very solid stuff, keeping the pitch count low. He's going to head into the break with a 2.63 ERA, 99 Ks in 95 innings, seven victories, and a 1.00 whip right on the money there. I I hate to keep going on like this, but I think he's another guy that you should be probably trying to sell on. Over the last month, ERA is north of four. Granted, there is a, a really bad start against Boston. That's inflating that. But he's had a couple of other shitters. You know, Tampa Bay, four earned runs. That was not great. His outing against Houston was pretty good, but three earned runs, uh, two walks. It's It's... There's been a little bit of concern recently that we didn't see at the beginning of the year. At the beginning of the year, he was lights out. A couple of games with four walks, but overall, he was very, very sturdy. He's got that whip very low. We haven't really seen that so much recently, especially, uh, like like I said, that one start really put a wrench into things. But he's definitely, uh, he's definitely not going to be as good as we saw him at the beginning of the year. It's just not, I don't think, anyway, who he is. 12 strikeouts and five innings kind of thing. It's just, it's not who he is. And we've seen that more recently. He is, unfortunately for me, another guy that I'm going to be trying to sell over the break. I think you can get a great return 
I don't think we're going to see him continue uh, <clears throat> continue with a sub-3 ERA into the second half. We've covered most of the pitchers that went yesterday. Not quite everyone, but I want to get on to the position players. Now there's a few I wanted to mention. Luis Robert, he had himself a great game. He was 3 for 5, single, double, and a homer. He drove in five runs, and he has been one of the lone bright spots this season, uh, unfortunately for the White Sox. 12 homers, 11 stolen bases. He's batting over 300. He is he's fantastic. Now, there's not many other guys over there that we can really praise right now. Jose Abreu has turned his season around, but we haven't really seen the power from him. Uh, if you're a White Sox fan, you're clinging on to Luis Robert right now. I don't think there's really any move to be made here. I wouldn't be selling. Uh, if you can try and buy, I mean, go ahead. Uh, I think it'll be pretty expensive right now. He's currently the 26th-ranked player on the season. And over the last month, he's inside the top five. So it'll be a pricey buy. I have a lot of faith in him still. But I think there's probably uh, the wise thing to do is just no move at the moment. If you do want to buy him, this is not a great time. He's going to be very pricey. Let's talk some Brandon Nimmo, who's been one of my favorite players to roster this year. Just low-key, under-the-radar guy that I've picked up off the waivers in like three or four different leagues, and he's just been fantastic. He leads off for a very solid offense. I think that can't be stated, can't be overstated. That if you are leading off for pretty much any team in baseball, you're going to be a viable fantasy option. Now, let alone for an offense such as, such as this one, where there are guys like Francisco Lindor, like Pete Alonso, and even to a lesser extent, guys like Jeff McNeil, guys like Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar. They are a very deep lineup, and Nimmo is in front of them all. He's leading the charge there. He's got 56 runs, 9 homers, 33 RBIs, and a 275 batting average. He's 57% rostered in Yahoo leagues. It just needs to be a bit higher than that, I think. There's definitely some dead weight you could be cutting. He's currently ranked as the 119th player on the season. That is well within the range of needing to be rostered. If you're talking about a 12-man league, that is not, it's just inside the 10th round of value. That's like you need to be getting on him because people are going to start to catch on. Now with the break, like I said, people don't pay as much attention here. So maybe you, maybe he won't be grabbed before the break. But why take the chance with someone who has performed so well like he has over the last month? He is ranked inside the top fifty. He's just one of my absolute favorite players, and you can get him for almost nothing. Like the steals haven't been there. He hasn't stolen a base. That's the one thing. That's the one thing. And even last year, he stole five of them. You can hope for a few in the second half. So it's not like he's going to be giving you a total zero there, I don't think. Especially at a leadoff spot, they're going to probably expect the odd one or two here or there. Not that he'll be a massive asset in that ca in that category, but still. Uh, like I mentioned with Bubba the other day, two in the steal column is better than nothing. And it adds up over the year, especially in Roto. You never know. You might lose the category by one or two or win it by one or two. And it might just be something stupid like a Brandon Nimmo steal in the second half that puts you over. So just something to chew on there. I love Nimmo. I'd go at him where you can. Not too many position players I want to talk about because we focused a lot on the pitchers here. But Matt Carpenter hit another home run yesterday. He also walked. He was also hit by a pitch. He's fantastic. Like This is the best version of Matt Carpenter we've arguably ever seen. Maybe in his early St. Louis days, you could say maybe, yeah. I mean, you, you can make a fair argument that like 2012, 2013, maybe Matt Carpenter, I forget exactly what year he was like really broke out. But in that range somewhere, you could argue maybe that was a better version. But he's batting 338, 11 homers, 24 ribbies. This is in 68 at bats. He is a daily changes darling. He's not going to play every single day, but when he does, he's got to be in there. 
even in weekly lineups right now, I think he's a must play because he's just been that good. Even if he plays four times a week or something like that, he's still going to be worth it right now uh, with how hot he's been. Now we get the all-star break to chew on things, go over some stats, a couple more days until the all-star break, but uh, you have some time to really dig into the numbers. Matt Carpenter, for me, he's someone who's got to be uh, a start in all formats at the moment. Uh, Andreas Jimenez is the last guy we will talk about from yesterday. He went yard. Now, I've seen some people sour on him a little bit. It's been a little bit of a cold couple of weeks. He's still mostly rostered. It's like 70% rostered. But he needs to be a little bit higher than that even, I think. Like, he's been a five-category contributor this season, which is extremely rare. Like, to find that off the waiver wire in most cases, a five-category contributor, to draft a five-category contributor is almost impossible. But he's done it, like, for free almost 10 homers, seven stolen bases, a 294 average, 31 runs, 42 st- or 42 RBIs, excuse me. And he kind of bounces around in that lineup in the in Cleveland there, but it doesn't even really matter. He has a he has value at a weak second base position. He's also eligible at short. If he's just sitting on the waiver wire and it's not a ton of leagues but 68% rostered. There are some leagues where he is just available and he is someone that you should think about adding. I don't know that he'll be quite as good as we saw in the first half, but you have to add even on just the hope of it because he has proven it now for 250 at-bats that he belongs here. So definitely an improvement over last year. Haven't seen quite as many steals, but more home runs and a higher batting average. You will absolutely take that. We're going to be moving on now to the waiver wire portion of the show. Talk about some of the more added and dropped players. Max Meyer is number one by far. He's been added by almost 11,000 teams today just on Yahoo!, Everybody's going and adding him now. I like what he's what he's projecting to do here, but I'm a little bit cautious still. The ERA this year in the minors is 372, 65 strikeouts, 19 walks in 58 innings. He's the number 21 prospect in baseball, so there's definitely a lot of promise there. I just worry, uh, you know, I, I, I've been so worried about prospects this year. Half of them have come up and been shit. Half of them have come up and been fantastic. We've seen Bobby Witt and Julio have been unreal we've seen guys like Mackenzie Gore who was really good for a while uh, Nick Lodolo who's been good and then he was hurt and then he's come back and been you know a mixed bag a bit with Nick Lodolo obviously you guys like Kalanick who's been terrible and then you have Alex Kirilov who's been more better it's like it's prospects are very hard to gauge this year Adley Rutschman kind of struggled a bit Gabriel Moreno came up and was good and now he's back down in the minors because the Jays have too many catchers but it's been a very hard to predict what prospects are going to do this year. With Meyer, I think he's an add if you're talking deeper than 12-team leagues. Now, there's one 12-teamer that I added him in because I had a free spot with Shane Baz going on the IL. So I thought, okay, I'll take a shot on him here. I'm not going to be starting him, I don't think, in this first matchup. Now, for one, it's because it's a head-to-head league, and my ERA is at like 2.3 for the week. So I don't need to risk a guy's first major league start here and have it possibly blow up my ERA like what we saw last weekend with Mackenzie Gore and Shane Baz. For me, yes, he is worth an add. I'd just be very cautious here like I usually am. This first at least one start against the Phillies. Phillies are kind of hard to predict what exactly they're going to do offensively on any given night. They have some powerful guys in that lineup. We've seen Schwarber go nuts. Castellanos, you know, I think Nick Castellanos actually leads the major leagues in doubles. So despite it being kind of a disappointing year, he can still put the ball in the gap, cause a lot of damage. JT Real Muto is another guy. Reese Hoskins, there are a lot of powerful bats in that lineup. Now, do I like Meyer long-term? Yeah, I do. I'm not the biggest in-the-know guy in terms of prospects. I do like him. 
I just think we need to be cautious here in these first couple of starts. Like I would be with literally anybody. It doesn't matter if they're the number one prospect in baseball. It doesn't matter if Pedro Martinez came back, started out his career from scratch today. I'd still be cautious in his first start because usually, typically, they don't go the greatest. And especially against a decent offense here, my advice is add and bench. That is my advice here for at least this first start. Jake Odorizzi is the next guy being added, and he is one of the four players that I wanted to highlight as being very good available streamers for this weekend. So he gets Oakland for the second consecutive time tonight. Last time out, he went uh, excuse me seven innings, got the victory, struck out seven, no earned runs. He was fantastic. Now, the time before that against Kansas City, he was kind of shitful in four innings, only struck out three. He was, t- he was really rough in that first one. Here, he gets another matchup against a poor team, and I think that he's going to be worthy of an ad. There's not too many guys. I spent a lot of time this morning going through the waiver wire looking at guys who are are starting this weekend and who are viable, and I came up with four names for the entire weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, who I think are reasonable, who are worth adding. Now, not every single starter has been announced for Sunday. There will be some perhaps bullpen days and different things last day before the break. Who knows? Uh, There are some games that we don't know yet, but for the ones that we do know, uh, Odorizzi, for me, is one of the stronger ads that you're going to be able to find this weekend. So go ahead and jump on him. If you're in a daily change, you can still go and grab him. 35% rostered on Yahoo. He's available in most leagues, and I think he'll be able to have a good start this weekend. Tonight, not this weekend, really. But Well, Friday counts as the weekend, I guess. I usually count Friday as part of the weekend. But, I mean, we kind of, <clears throat> in society, consider it to be more Saturday, Sunday. But Friday, once you hit the evening, it's it's weekend time. Let's move on here. Leody Tavares. He's been as hot as you can possibly be recently. 10 for his last 21. He's 14 for his last 36. Uh, 24 for his last 68. And for the season, he is batting 338, four steals, two homers, and only 74 bats. Now, this is not who he is. He's not this good. He's a steal specialist kind of guy. He's like a Jorge Mateo kind of player. I don't think that people need to be adding him. We've seen 20% of leagues go and add him. He was 0% rostered. Now he's up to 20 I'm thinking that's probably a little bit too much. If you want to try and squeeze a couple steals out of him, then you can go ahead. But I don't have too much faith here. Batting near the bottom of a all right Rangers lineup, they're nothing great, really. I mean, I think they're a little bit underrated. If you look at the stats, they're somewhere in the middle of the pack. They're not as terrible as we think they are. But you're not going to have so much value batting 6th or 7th or 8th or even ninth sometimes in that lineup over there. So for me, uh, I'm leaving Tavares alone. Next, we will get to the second guy who I wanted to highlight here for weekend streams, Alex Wood. And Alex Wood has been very solid these last two times out, specifically last time against San Diego. Eight Ks over seven scoreless. He got the victory. The numbers have been against him all year in terms of luck. He's just leaving nobody on base. Babip has been crazy high. Alex Wood and Alex Cobb, they've both been just really unlucky. I've talked about Alex Cobb like, consistently this year it feels like every day I'm talking about Alex Cobb I think that there's a lot better things coming in the second half Uh, for both of them now tonight we get Alex Wood starting and tomorrow it's Alex Cobb I think for both of these starts I was planning on doing this at the end but I might as well just do it now they're both worthy of ads and starts here both against Milwaukee a team that's fairly good offensively but they've also kind of been up and down this year so I'm I'm strongly recommending we add both of these guys I think Wood, uh, you know, recently we've seen a couple of very good starts in a row. Cobb has been a little bit more up and down. Uh, last couple were not so great. The couple before that were very solid. So 
I think both of them are going to turn it around here. I think that they're both solid ads uh, for the second half of the year. But specifically this weekend, there's not really many widely available streamers. Those guys are both pretty available. 55% rostered for Wood, and Cobb is at, I believe, 30, 33% rostered. So these guys are out there. They can give you a bit of a boost for this weekend and even into the second half. So I'd go ahead and add if you can. Brett Martin, we talked about yesterday as being a decent ad over in Texas for some streams. He's jumped up from 2% rostered up to 36 because he's gotten a few saves this last week. Hasn't given up a run in any of his last six appearances. I think that he's an all right ad. I think of all the widely available uh, closers slash relievers, he's about as good of a bet as you're going to find out there. So I'd go ahead and add him if you do need uh, some save help. Kyle Gibson is the next guy. I like Kyle Gibson okay. Uh, he's been added by about 3,500 teams today. He's facing the Marlins, so I like the matchup here. Last time he faced the Marlins, I think he did, yeah, eight innings, uh, six strikeouts, only gave up one earned run. So the track record is there. For the season, he's got a 4.53 ERA. He has not been as strong as he was at the beginning. Still, I think he's an all right option. He's not one of my recommended guys, but I think that he's an okay play here uh, where he's available. 37% rostered. Uh, as Siri Ruiz stole a base yesterday after I said that I was worried about his prospects of steals in the majors. Thanks, Asuri. Make me feel dumb, but it's true. I'm very worried. Uh, like We see what they've done with C.J. Abrams here. A guy who, for all intents and purposes, should be another base stealer, C.J. Abrams. And what we've gotten so far is exactly one steal for him in 40 games. For a guy who in the minors was stealing 15, 14 bags, stuff like that, like numbers around there, uh, he's capable of definitely giving you 20 in a season. I don't think that there's much doubt about that. Only one so far. Now, Ruiz came up and, you know, he's got hits in each of his first three games. He's four for 12. He's got a run. He's drove it in a run, and he has that steal. Uh, he was also caught stealing once, I believe. So for Ruiz, I worry that they may suppress his stolen base numbers. It should be... Should be very good after what we've seen in the minor leagues. But I'm not so convinced that they will be. So if you really desperately need steals, go ahead. Second base, I talk about fairly regularly as being a weak position. There's not some, there's not a ton of guys who are just sitting out there who can, who can be added for second base. And we've had some disappointments. We've had some injuries this year. So the position is not as deep as we might have hoped. If you want to go and add him, uh, by all means, you can try it out, see how he does. I'm just not so convinced we're going to see like 40 steals from this guy like we might be expecting. Because in the minors this year, he has like 60 steals. It's, it's absurd. Uh, 60 steals in 77 games. 84 runs. He's even got 13 bombs. He's done pretty much everything. That alone, you should probably be adding. I'm just a little bit worried about what we're actually going to be getting out of him. So my two cents there. One more guy we'll talk about for today who's being added, Zach Plezak. So I'm not a big Zach Plezak fan. I don't like it when guys really give you zero strikeouts pretty much. But he's actually been not too bad over the last month. He's got a 2.48 ERA, 1.17 whip. And I think that, you know, he's facing the Tigers. So we saw what Tristan McKenzie did. We see what pretty much everybody does to the Tigers. He's more of a desperation kind of streamer here. He's obviously not someone to go if you're looking for strikeouts. Probably not if you're looking for wins either. Only two of them on the year. But he is facing the Tigers. He does give you a good chance there right off the bat to get a victory. If you need a little bit of ratio help, I think Zach Plezak is an all right streamer here for this weekend. Let's move on to the drops. Number one is Keegan Thompson. He had a rough going last night. Five runs over four and a third against the Mets. 
I still have faith that ERA is still very nice. Heading into the second half, it'll be 3.43 with a 1.25 whip. Even with the rough start yesterday, his ERA for the last month is still 3.06. He's been very solid. Uh, I'm not sure what their plans are exactly with Keegan Thompson. No doubt, though, that he'll be their – well, maybe not no doubt, but I think that he'll be their best pitcher in the second half here. So maybe they'll trade him. I don't really know. I'm not sure about his contract situation. He's 27 years old. He's only been in the bigs for a couple of years, so probably not. But who knows uh, with the Cubs there. They're not really fighting for anything. Maybe they try and get a young prospect out of him, bank this performance that they've gotten. I'm not really sure about the plan. That's just total speculation on my half, but could be a, could be a possibility anyway, just something that floated through my head here. Uh, Marco Gonzalez, he's been dropped a lot. He's not been great, not by any stretch of the imagination. He had a tough outing yesterday. Now, the ERA is not bad at 3.50, but he's got 53 strikeouts in more than 100 innings. That's just, you, you can't do it. I mean, it's, all, it's 100.1 innings, but you, you can't, be doing that and have fantasy value you have to be so strong in the other categories that it would be foolish to not roster you but uh, he's not he's not that strong in the other categories 1.37 whip is not good it's, it's really not the era is the only thing he really has going for him totally fine to drop him i think he was more of a streamer and he kind of let you down against the rangers so go ahead and drop him Shane Baz, he's been shut down for four weeks. I mentioned it earlier with elbow strain. This is this is terrible news. Now, the ERA for the year is at five, but that's very deceptive. There was two bad starts and four good ones in between. The two bad ones were really bad, so it makes it look like, oh, you know, five ERA, 1.3 whip, not good. Shane Baz is going to be a stud in this league if he can stay healthy. The health is becoming, not maybe yet, but it's starting to creep into the back of my mind that this is a problem here with the arm. I don't know exactly what the timeline is going to be. They say he's shut down for four weeks, and then he's got to pick it up and maybe make some rehab. And then, you know, we're thinking maybe in September he gets a, a couple of starts. Hopefully, that would be best-case scenario. I'm okay to drop Shane Baz if you're in pretty much any standard size leagues. Or if you don't have IL, it's very hard to hold him, especially if you're trying to make a second-half push. If you're in a great spot, head-to-head or roto, and you're way out in front of the standings, and you just, you know, you have a luxury stash kind of thing, I'd be fine with. Uh, but in most cases, a lot of guys are competing to try and move up the roto standings, to try and make it to the head-to-head playoffs. I don't think that Baz is going to be too much of an asset this year, unfortunately. And it sucks because I have a lot of shares getting 27 innings out of him, oh, it's, it's, it's brutal. It's brutal for every party involved. Jack Flaherty is another guy I had a lot of shares of. I got eight innings out of him this year. It's just been it's, it's tough. It's been a crapshoot for pitchers, to say the least, with guys like Martin Perez and Nestor Cortez having value, Miles Michaelis being as good as he's been, Gonsolin. And then you have guys like Walker Bueller and Shane Baz and Flaherty who have been disappointing. It's the way it works every year. It's just disappointing when it does. A couple of more guys we will talk about who have been dropped. Blake Snell, I think this is really knee-jerky. He had a bad outing at Coors. Okay, big whoopty shit. Everybody has bad outings at Coors. Not a big deal for me. Strikeout numbers are still there. Yes, the ERA is terrible, but we were talking about a guy who, you know, strikeouts are a big thing for me in fantasy. They lead to, it's like the home runs for pitchers. They help out in a lot of categories. You get strikeouts that by default will lower your ERA and it will lower your whip and it will help you lead to more victories. Just in the way that a home run gives you a boost in runs, 
the home run category, RBIs, and batting average. Strikeouts are that lovely, my, I mean, they're definitely my favorite pitching category. Snell gives you a lot of those. Now, so far this year, he has been disappointing. No question. 50 innings, one win, 66 Ks. See what I mean? I mean, strikeouts per nine are over 10. He's, that's, that's not been a problem. Uh, it's been the ERA and the, and the whip, which have been uh, a big-time problem for him. So I, I, I'm not dropping him yet, is the long story short here. I still have faith that going forward, we can see a better version of Blake Snell. Like, are we going to see Cy Young Blake Snell ever again? It's hard to say. I doubt it, but he's still pretty damn young. Like, oh, let, me, let me look this up real quickly. He is, he's only 29. Like, I don't think we, ha- we can write him off just yet here. Like, are we thrilled with what we've gotten from him? Absolutely not. But with that kind of upside, I'd still be a little bit cautious about putting him back on waivers. Even if he can give you what he gave you last year, which is a 4.2 ERA, which is not great by any means, but 170 strikeouts and 128 innings, very hard to find those kind of consistent K numbers on the waiver wire. So for me, I'm holding on to Blake Snell. I'm also seeing a lot of Sonny Gray getting dropped. More than 2,000 leagues have dropped Sonny Gray. Again, the knee-jerk reactions of the fantasy community never cease to amaze me. He's had three rough starts in a row. Yes. Teams that he should have been able to do well against. Baltimore, Texas, and Chicago. And I'm not even a big Sonny Gray guy, but I'm going to go to bad for him here because he's been good enough this year that there's no way you should be dropping him. He's still 86% rostered. Most people are not dropping him. If you're one of the people who dropped him, you got to think about why you did it. Is it just because of the bad start? Is there legitimately a better option out there? Or was it more of a spiteful thing where you're just like, the hell with this guy? Kind of like what we saw with Mackenzie Gore last weekend. A lot of people now, he's going to be in the pen, I believe. So maybe that one turned out to make sense. But you see a bad start and you immediately drop. It's just not what you should be doing here. He's not been good. He's been bad. He's been bad recently. No two ways about it. Look past these past three starts, and he's been one of the better pitchers in the American League. Even with this horrible three-start stretch, ERA is still 3.71. The whip is at 1.16. That's pretty damn solid still. If there are better pitchers than Sonny Gray on the waiver wire, there are not many of them. Depending on your league size, sure, if you're in an eight-team league and there's like tons of options, then if you want to do that, then go ahead. Even in an eight-team league, I'd be kind of cautious about doing it. But if you're in standard 10s and 12s and 14s and 15s, however big your league is, odds are you should probably be keeping Sonny Gray outside of very shallow leagues. So I would not be doing it. A couple more drops we'll go over here, and then we will move on to my matchup of the evening. So Tanner Rainey continues to be dropped. Yes, uh, it's actually really funny. There were, he was added by two teams on Yahoo. There were two managers on Yahoo who I guess just saw him get dropped, didn't see the news, and went and added him. That's an unfortunate use of one of your ads. For those two, I'm sorry for you. Obviously, he is a drop. Uh, He's going to be done for the year. It looks like Tommy John. Uh, Not much to question there. Johnny Cueto, we talked about him earlier. He's actually been very good, and I said, you know, if you want to drop him, then go ahead. If you want to add him, then go ahead. It's kind of been, I don't know, unexpectedly good for Johnny Cueto. So who knows how long this will continue for. But he was dropped by about 1,500 teams, added by about 1,200 other teams. So... I think you had a lot of cases where people in their leagues were dropping him. Other people get the notifications in their league that the guy was dropped, and they go ahead and they add him. <clears throat> if you are in a league that doesn't put guys on waivers right when they're dropped, which is my favorite favorite way to play, you see a guy drop somebody, you go and add them. There's no waiting two days, putting in claims and putting in fab and all this shit. You just go ahead and you add them. 
for me, for the active fantasy player, that's my favorite. You got to have notifications on if that is the way you play. You need to have your Yahoo or whatever notifications turned on so you can see if a guy gets dropped who is noteworthy. Not that Johnny Cueto is the best example of this, but if you did see that a guy like Sonny Gray got dropped and you are in one of those leagues where there are no waivers, you just quickest to the waiver wire wins, uh, you need to go and turn those on and go and grab a guy like Sonny Gray the second he gets dropped. It, it burned me last year a little bit <clears throat> playing in those kind of leagues because I didn't have notifications on for the first half of the year probably. And I'd go turn on the app and I'd see like, Jesus, how did this guy get whoever it would be? You know, Luis Castillo was someone who was dropped last year by, by me and by a few other people because he was just so bad in the first half. And then you see them get added up right away and Castillo is probably not another great example of that because the way he was playing last year, you wouldn't have gone and added him right away. But Fran Mil Reyes was a, is a good example from last year. He was shitful for the first, oh, God, I can't even remember now, three months or so. He was, he was awful. He was not really worth having on your teams. A lot of people cut him, and a lot of people added him and then ended up with 30 home runs and 85 RBIs. So you need to have those noties on if that is the way you play, just so you get these notes. You, you know about it before the rest of your league mates, or at least right when they do, so you can just quickly go ahead and add these guys who get dropped. Uh, just a couple more players we'll talk about. Riley Green got dropped a lot because you know he's just been very disappointing. It's still early in his career. He's less than 100 at-bats in, but one home run, one steal. We can't expect too much in Detroit for redraft purposes. I'm not so opposed to cutting him. I think he'll just get better and better throughout the year. But it's been uh, it's definitely tough for Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson, who have expected to do much better than they've done, and they've really struggled here. It's unfortunate. I'm fine with cutting him. I'm fine with holding him. I'm fairly indifferent right now. In a three-outfielder league, I think there's probably some better options out there. Uh, Isaac, Isak. Isak. I always do this wrong. Isak Paredes. Another O for yesterday. He's been dropped. He's batted 105 over the last week, 217 over the last two weeks. I was never big on him. I'm totally cool with putting him back on waiver wires. There's some other drops here, but no one else who's really that noteworthy. Uh, Mackenzie Gore getting dropped a little bit more. Understandable. Brady Singer getting dropped a bit. MJ Melendez. Uh, Nolan Jones, who has come back down to earth after his first few games in the majors. Now he's over his last eight. And now people, are, of course, are dropping him again because, I don't know. If you added him, you might as well just stick it out for the rest of the week. I was never big on adding him in the first place, but if you've already used an ad this week, you might as well just, you know, unless there's someone like really grand awaiting you on the waiver wire there, which is usually not the case, uh, I'd probably just be fine to hold on to him. Let's talk about a couple of matchups now before I let you guys go that I'm going to be keeping my eye on tonight. Now, not a lot going on. There are some games where there's one good starter and one poor starter, there's a couple of decent ones, mostly later on this evening. Now, Nate Eovaldi and Jordan Montgomery is an all right one, uh, but not one that we're going to be talking about here. We're going to start off with Clayton Kershaw and Patrick Sandoval. That is going to be a great matchup. Both guys sub-3 ERA. you got to love the Battle of Los Angeles. This one will take place in Anaheim, technically. Uh, but we have the surging Dodgers with the struggling Angels here. Now, is surging the right word necessarily? They've just been kind of consistently good all year. I think you can still safely use surging, even though they've beaten up on some kind of poor teams recently, the Cubs and the Rockies. But they're 58-30. and 30. Uh, Yankees get all the love, but Dodgers have been just about as good, if we're being honest with ourselves. So have the Astros. Kershaw is a big reason for that. I don't know why we, why we ever expect anything other than elite 
performances from Kershaw. He's six and two on the year with a 2.4 ERA, 1.01 WHIP, 69 Ks, and 12 walks. He's coming off a great outing against the Cubs, where he went seven and two thirds, gave up one earned run, struck out ten. Two earned, one earned, or sorry, two runs, one of them earned, which is fine. You'll live with that. Uh, like I said, no walks, no homers. Homers have been really, really good for him this year. Only five allowed in 63 and two-thirds innings. Never been something he's struggled with massively, but just something to note. Uh, as he gets older, he's still able to have value. I love Clayton. I wasn't big on him going into the year because <clears throat> I was foolish and thinking, kind of similarly to Verlander, that we're reaching the end of the line here. I'm not big on drafting pitchers who have gotten older, and it burned me a little bit this year because we've seen those old dogs still learning new tricks, for lack of a better phrase. Kershaw, Verlander, Scherzer mainly come to mind, but even guys like Carlos Carrasco, obviously in a completely different lower tier, but someone who's like 35 years old, still been able to have value on the hill. I usually avoid those guys. I did this year, and like I said, I kind of got burned by it, but I'm really looking forward to seeing Clayton here tonight against a struggling Angels offense. He should be a top play for DFS, guys. Patrick Sandoval. On the other side, he has been very good. Now, there have been a couple of rough outings mixed in throughout the year that have kind of inflated the ERA. Now, notably, I mean, I say inflated. It's a 2.95. You take away the one start where he gave up five and the other start where he gave up six, but only five earned, I guess. Uh, it was against Toronto and against Houston. Tough teams. I mean, Toronto, I wish they were a bit tougher. But Toronto and Houston, very good lineups. Even with those two bad outings in there, 2.95, you take those away, you're looking closer to two. He's been exceptional. He's been under the radar, exceptional. And I talked about Kershaw's home runs being great. 76 in the third for Sandoval, only four home runs against. This one should be every bit as advertised. You know, Los Angeles, Los Angeles, two great pitchers, sub three ERA. You love to see it. You love to see a couple of lefties going at it as well. That's not something you see too often, two elite lefties going at it. So that's one I'm going to be really keeping an eye on here. The second one coming at you uh, about half an hour later than that game, uh, 40 minutes or so, we have the Brewers and the Giants. Now, it doesn't jump at you, just a matchup on its own, but Brandon Woodruff and Alex Wood for me. So Woodruff has been fantastic in these three starts off of the IL. Not quite as sharp against Pittsburgh as last time with three earned runs, but the strikeouts have been there. Uh, in three starts, he's got nine, eight, and ten. Uh, the hits have been low. He has not given up a home run. <clears throat> now, he did walk three his last time out, but that's not something I'm too worried about with Brandon Woodruff. He's usually pretty conservative with the walks given up. Really looking to see him continue his dominance since he's come off the injured list tonight. Alex Wood on the other side, we mentioned him earlier. He's a strong stream, I think. Uh, he, there's not too many guys available with that kind of upside and who have had that kind of bad luck so far this season. He's coming off his season high of eight strikeouts. I'm really liking Alex Wood here tonight. ERA is sitting at 4.43. It'll get lower in the second half, not to worry there. Uh, this one should be very entertaining. If I had to pick one, I'd say the Kershaw-Sandoval matchup just because it's a little more unique, you know, lefty-lefty. I like that kind of thing. Here we have one lefty, one righty, which is still nice. I love left-handed pitching. I'm a righty myself, but it's definitely cool to see lefties go out there and be successful because they are, uh, of course, a bit of a rarer breed. I'll let you guys go there. We've gone a little bit longer than I typically go, which I apologize, or you're welcome for, whichever side of that you're on. Some people like a bit of a longer show. Some people like a little bit of a shorter show. We've given you about 45 minutes here, so I hope that is what you guys were expecting. Thank you again. For say this, try to say this at the end of every episode. Thank you guys who have shown support here. We've been going for, like I said, this is episode 85. we got three weeks to go until episode 100. In there, about 12, what is it, 13, 14 days from now? 12 or 13 shows from now, 
will be the trade deadline show. Now, if you guys can't get it live, that's okay, because the next day, I'm thinking I'm going to clip the entire three and a half hours and put that into the podcast. And that whole thing will be the podcast that you guys can just skim through. I'll put in the description who's going to be on at what time. So you say, I'm a big fan of whoever. I'm going to tune in to watch that person. Hopefully, you're a big fan of all of them, and you sit there through the whole three and a half hours, which we'd really appreciate. But I hope you guys are there live on YouTube, not just on the podcast side, because you guys can throw in questions, get your questions answered live by the experts in real time as trades are going down. Should be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Again, thank you guys. Subscribe, like, download, rate, do all that great stuff. Follow on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and at EthosFantasyBB. We're doing more stuff over there, bringing more people on board to produce baseball content. So you guys want to be following not just my personal account, but the Sports Ethos Baseball account. All right, that's enough rambling for me. Everybody have a great weekend. See ya.